For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Shane Told, and I will be your host once again as I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And today we have an absolute legend on the show Mr. Brian McTurnan, who he's a terrific, terrific lead singer. He used to be the front man of one of the most important, super influential hardcore bands called Battery. Now he's doing a new project called Be Well. Awesome, awesome new release. It's out now on Equal Vision Records. Check it out. But what Brian is most known for, I would say, is all of these incredible records he's produced. If you listen to punk or hardcore or emo, anything in, you know, the scene, you've probably you probably own several Brian McTurnan produced records. He is unbelievably talented. But you know, I got the call to do this episode and, you know, I saw his name pop up. I couldn't have replied faster to the email, but I was kind of like, what happened to this guy? Because I have not heard from Brian McTurnan in quite some time. Now, I don't want to spoil the whole story. He's going to talk all about it in this episode. Super interesting, you know, and there's really something to take away from this just about, you know, hardworking people, how they can get burnt out, how you can start to, you know, 
distort your passion. But I will say this. It is absolutely incredible to have Brian back doing music again. He was sorely missed. And yeah, I know I just mentioned it, but definitely go check out that brand new Be Well record. It is a good one and an important one right now. Before we get into that, really just such a great conversation. I want to remind you guys, you can get in touch with me. You can email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. I also want to encourage you guys to check out the podcast within a podcast, if you will. We call it This Is The New Shit, and every single Friday we break down the new records coming out, the top five as selected, as curated by Mr. Mike Howell, who has his ear to the ground way more than I do. So it's a really, really fun thing we do every Friday. I really, really enjoy it. I think you will too. And if you're having trouble, you know, finding out what's out there, I mean, sure, you can find a list, but do you really know what to listen to? There's always so much coming out and it can be so confusing because some stuff is singles, some stuff is, you know, like re-recordings or some stuff might be, you know, deluxe editions. It's hard to always know, but me and Mike, we break it down every Friday. So come back tomorrow, listen to that. And if you're interested in music that's come out for the last, you know, couple months, we've been doing this for a couple months now, go back and check it out too, because obviously there's still new records. So yeah, check out This Is The New Shit. I will remind you guys, like I do pretty much every week, if you want to help out the show, check out our Patreon. It's also called the All Access Club. I don't know if you support other creators using Patreon or anything. I'd like to think that you know the All Access Club is a little bit different because we have built this incredible community over the last four years. I've made so many friends. I guarantee you if you sign up, you will as well. And of course, that's not all. You get access to so much you know, bonus episodes and bonus content, and I review records on there and talk about all kinds of stuff, and I do Q&A sessions, and I play some songs, and it's really just a good time. For as little as $6 a month, it gets you in, and it is what keeps this show coming at you for free every single week. I'm going to give you the link. Get a pen. I'll wait. I'll wait. Get a pen. Write this down, okay? You got your pen? Good. <laughs> Who has a pen anymore? LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. $6 a month. It gets you in. It's just a good time. Check it out, please. It's all I ask. Just head over to that link. See if it's for you. If you like the show, if you've listened to a majority of the episodes, I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. The link again, LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. Anyway, that's my rant for the intro. Let's get into it. And my conversation with frontman and producer extraordinaire, Mr. Brian McTurnan. Not 
too much? Uh, dude, It's it's been a long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was trying to remember, uh, you know, the last time I saw you around, and I, the last time I can remember, and I could be mistaken, was we played a show at the 930 Club. Yes. And I, who was that with? Oh, man. Well, it was around, it was like 2006. Um, yeah, it might have been like sense. with with Matchbook Romance or something like that, right? Um, because I remember we were talking about doing our third record together. There was right, there was some yeah, conversation yeah, about it, and you were you were kind of well, you were pitching yourself for it, and obviously, I love fuck so many of the records that you you made up to that point. Not, I mean, all the records you made after too, but I remember right. that's, that's the last thing I remember. Like you know, the last the last interaction we had, um, which is crazy because we're talking about like almost fifteen years ago. I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot's happened. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, it's man. Crazy. I you know it's funny because you know your name your name comes up all the time on this show. I don't know if you listen. Yeah, I uh, do. I do. I, I do. Yeah, I hear it. I, I'm always like, whenever whenever it comes up, I turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's it's never in, no one's ever talking shit, though. No one's ever like, oh, he made this record. Do you know this asshole, Brian McTernan? He fucked up our record. That never happens. Oh, um, you, 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 you would be surprised about the... Uh, well, yeah. I mean, geez, you make you make like 150 records or something. Like one or two of, of them are going to be you know, maybe a bad experience for people. Man, I mean, that's that's to be that's understandable. But I mean, your track record I, is very good. I mean, I not I don't know if I need to pull up the list right now. I mean, I mean, for people that are just wandering into this podcast and don't know, I'm talking to a producing legend here. But <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, first of all, you produced Jupiter. Oh yeah, Cavins Jupiter, which is like, I mean, that's like as legendary as it comes. Um, I mean, the, the the funny thing about that record is, I feel like if people knew that they fucking tracked that shit all live with like virtually no overdubs, it would be even more legendary. Right? Like those guys were just so fucking good and like the the coolest thing about that record is that like i mean like i had done uh like the first time cave in came to record with me they were like 15 you know yeah. and like right beyond Steve, hypothermia you did that record too. no well i think i did like some singles before beyond hypothermia oh okay and right. like steve brodsky's mom called and was like <laughs> is it a safe neighborhood and like i think <laughs> I, I have I, I this might be just something I've made up to make it be a better story, but like I have this vague memory of <laughs> her dropping them off and waiting at the IHOP <laughs> while they recorded. No, that's but funny. what what's what's so cool is really to see. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about like a magical studio experience, watching them lay that shit down live, all the pedals live, all the right. performance live in the room together. That right. just doesn't happen a lot, and especially not as ambitious of a record as that. And uh, with a band that was coming off a super, I mean, Until Your Heart Stops was totally different and amazing. 
and they were like an it band and they yeah. basically said hey fuck it <laughs> we're yeah. gonna do something yep. something different and i mean it was like it kind of changed like how i wanted to hear records like just the soundscape and the 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 heart of it crazy you know, was crazy really, really cool crazy well yeah. i mean you're also you're also known for uh the strike anywhere records which are incredible hot water music uh and of course uh thrice illusion of safety uh and i think artist in the ambulance as well if i'm not mistaken yep, yep. uh yep. the movie yep. life a lot of their great records they put out yep. mm-hmm. um and the list i mean the list goes on and on senses fail uh, Circus Survive. Those were some of the. I call those the newer records, even though they were like still like two thousand, you know, I seven know. And, and after. But I well, mean, they're, I mean, they're... incredible, and, and it really is great to have you on, Brian, because you know this podcast being me talking to other singers, so much of what we do and so much importance. Uh, and you know what gets people here in terms of like hey i'm successful i'm a singer i'm going to go on this podcast has to do with the producer and you right. are in a really kind of unique circumstance where you were in a band for a long time uh well not that long but you know you were in a, a hardcore band that very loved in the 90s battery and then you went yep. on to become you know even bigger on the production front and of course now you have a new band which we're going to talk about but it's a really unique situation that you know you are you are here and it's really great to have you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I think the funny thing about like, like is that I just started producing so young. So I think that sometimes people are like, do like sometimes people meet me and are like, Oh, I thought you'd be like 60. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know, like I don't think people realize that like when I did that, like early Texas is a reason or converge and early cave and I was like 18, you know? Yeah. And, and, and like the whole, like, I think it's so rad that there's so many like young musicians that have their own studios and are producing, but that wasn't such a thing back then. So it was like, it was like a really cool time and and then it was also cool like i just happened to land in boston where all of this exciting stuff was happen happening and kind of i was kind of growing along with that whole universe bane and converge piebald yeah cave in in my eyes i mean the list go like it just really worked out that i was there and like came from a similar background to all these bands and was like a similar age and in a similar place and kind of like the love and the the momentum of it all kind of made up for the fact that I had no fucking idea what I was doing. <laughs> no, but you were you were probably also the cheapest cheapest game in town, you know. Um, but ten, this- ten bucks and ten bucks an hour, man, you can't beat that. <laughs> but also, you know, but also, you know, at the time, and I I know because I'm you know I think we're around the same age. I'm 39. I think you're a little bit older than me. But yeah. you know. Um, at the time, you know, I was in bands, punk hardcore bands and stuff, and we'd go into some studio and. Like I would play the the engineer. I won't call them a producer because they, you know, they weren't producing anything. They were just the ones right. making sure we didn't ruin equipment and, and pushing the buttons for us because we didn't know what we were doing. And you know, right. I would play them a record, and they would be like, "You want the kick drum to sound like that? That sounds like shit." Right. Oh, you know, I know. Like, yeah, what, what is that clicking? Like, what you know? And I'm like, "That's what we. This is this is what we're trying to do." So at least you knew what the goal was, right? Yeah, and and, and, and that I was a think big that- part of it. I think that early on that made up for like, you know, the, the frustrate, like the lack of, like being on the same page really did help in terms of like, 
I, I literally back then I had like a little Mackie mixing board and a, like two ADATs and like almost no outboard gear. So really the only thing that was kind of counteracting the lack of experience and gear and all that was that I totally got what it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like yep. we were kind of shaping a sound together a little bit and it was exciting. And the other thing that was fun was like because I was so cheap, bands actually were able to spend a lot more time on those things than they would have had they been going into some like big expensive studio. Um, so that also made up for a little bit of the inexperience early on. Right. That's... But the cool thing is when you record, you know, probably in the first like four years I was making records, I probably did like hundred record i mean it was just like literally record after record after record i wouldn't take days off almost ever and all it was kind of trial by fire i mean like within like two or three years i had nice gear and two inch tape machine and a nice space and was like really really it was working but you you learned i mean you just taught yourself right i mean you never yeah took any courses or anything nope there was there wasn't even youtube university back then so no that was all figuring it out yourself which is well uh, the crazy the crazy thing well so i i don't know if you know matt squire but he's a super successful producer and he we had played music together since I was in ninth grade. Like he was, we were in a band called ashes together and we both moved to Boston together and he always had like an eight track in his basement and he was always the recording guy. And I was like, you know, just the band member. And, right. um, so like he was really the only person I knew that recorded as well. Like we really didn't know. I didn't have any friends that recorded that had studios really. And I didn't, there was no YouTube, there was no nail the mix, there was no yeah. like trigger packs and you know what I mean? Like, and, and what I realized early on is like, okay, well the songs have to be good. Setting the amp, getting the amp tones right makes it a whole lot easier when you only have one mic to try, you know, like <laughs> yeah. tu- tuning the drums, having the drummer play like cleaner and, and like be really well prepared to do it. All that stuff actually is something that I felt I could control even though I didn't have a like a lot of technical expertise and it really it really helped yeah yeah wow well you you said it yourself you did like so many records at a young age you know starting from when you were 18 and then i mean seemingly you just dropped off the face of the earth i mean that's from my perspective you know being in the scene um i don't know what year it was but literally like two if two, you look, 2013 yeah if you yeah. look at so your I did. discography I, 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 if you look at your discography, it just stops. Yeah. And, well, and so, like, so, I was like, what happened? You know what I mean? I mean, that's, and I, I mean, I just found out now reading, you know, the, the press release for this interview. Uh, and it's pretty, it's a pretty wild story what you went and did. It was. Yeah. I mean, I'd hate to say that it was a mistake because I really was. So basically, like, you know, better than anyone how hard i mean being a producer being a band being a music, being a creative person in the world and trying to make a living doing it and trying to like really really care passionately about everything you do and never cutting corners and never giving up and always mm-hmm. pushing it it's a lot man you know and 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 you have to realize that like in 2014 at that point my entire life for 20 years was 
record after record after record and the grind and the like you know i'm i'm like i'm a super passionate person like and i'm so like i loved the bands i loved the records yeah. and and i i I, like some of what I think made me um, a, good is that, <laughs> like, I could I literally said to myself, I can live with a band leaving here and being unhappy with a mix or a change we did or, you know, the sales of a record. Like I can live with any of that because that stuff is sometimes just totally beyond your control. Right. I could never live with a band walking out of here feeling like I didn't care, and making that commitment to yourself comes at a cost to your life, right. to your family, right. to your, to your finances. Because like literally like, you know, some of the later records when the fucking industry crashed, you know, I'll, like, like a perfect example is a balance and composure record. I did. I lost money making that record right. literally, but I loved the band and the label probably would have said, Oh Yeah. Here's the budget. If you can do it in six days, then cool. Like, but I don't make records that way. So instead of saying, well, my rate is this and you're going to get six days, we spent a month. Yeah. And we made a record that I'm proud of and people will love forever. So the thing about doing that over and over and over and over again, and the thing that's slightly different about being a producer than being in a band is, is that you never have those like those down times. Never. I really have. No, you never do. No, and, I know. And and what happened was like there we entered an era of like the record almost felt the records became less about the art of the record and more about like a tool to be able to tour, right? Right. And I think that the demand for like content had bands going into the studio well before they were ready to go to into the studio. And so I found myself in a place where I'm writing songs for bands. I'm writing lyrics for bands. I'm playing their guitar parts. Like, and like, man, you know, when early on, like on a Circa record or a Thrice record, a Hot Water record, like I was inspired by them, right. <laughs> by being able to be a part of something that felt so like incredibly important when a band shows up and they don't give a shit and they're like reading texts in between vocal takes and like fucking off at the bar instead of and letting me play their parts or write their songs like that just didn't it's just started to feel to me like the the high points that felt special were few and far between yeah. and the things a lot of what I felt like I was doing didn't feel meaningful and the problem is and you you know everybody the best records are when a band comes in and they're 90% there. And that last 10%, you, 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 you can really take something that's really incredible, pour your heart and soul to it, yep. into it, care about every little thing, push on the lyrics, push on the performances, get great tones. Then you're putting all of your energy is into making something great, timeless, right? Well, if somebody comes in, the shit isn't even written. I don't care how fucking good you are. Like, it, it, you're not you're not going to make something that is going to last forever if you if I care more than you do. Like, that's just not ever going to be something that works. And and I found myself in a place where I felt like a couple things. I felt like my heart is not in it the way that it was, and I felt like 
I felt like it wasn't fair to the bands to play such a pivotal role in their life when I didn't feel inspired by it anymore. And I tried, I basically overcorrected <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 and rather than um, going and being like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to like, I'm going to scale back. I'm going to bring some other engineers. I'm going to let other people track here. Like right. I sold the building, I sold the building and I walked away and, <laughs> and, um, and I, I felt at the time I felt like I had this thing where I'm like, Probably a okay, huge you know, weight off your shoulders, right? If that's the way you felt, I mean, so overwhelmed. There, there, it was like a weight off my shoulders, but it was also like crushing oh, right. in another way because I, I mean, I, I didn't want to feel like that. It's like, I didn't, like and and like the funny thing is the last year um the last year I was doing it actually three of the records I made I did the um last fireworks record I did the angel dust ad record and I did turnstile nonstop feeling yeah and honestly to be honest those are like three of my favorite bands favorite people and I love those records and even with that, I felt like, you know, I just want to see my daughter sometimes. Yeah. And I want to like, I want to be able to like, that was kind of my inspiration is like get a little bit of me back and, you know, not have my whole life be. So I ended up, I had a couple for the high points of that year. I had a couple of the lowest low points with bands coming in and I just felt like, it's time to move on. Yeah. And so I, so I left and I, I, I got this. Uh, so backing up a tiny bit, like, because when I was doing all my early studios, I didn't have any money. My wife and I would like build them, <laughs> like sure. hang the drywall, do the shit. And yeah. I got really into like architecture and construction and things like that. And, and actually like when budgets got really bad, I was basically like, supplementing the studio income by buying houses, fixing them up and selling them. So I had like a Man, lot of experience with that. How do you have time for that? that? Being in a studio 12 hours a day, six days a week, and then you're I fixing mean, up houses on the side? That's well, crazy. Well, when, when you have a 7,000 square foot building and and you have all of these expenses and you have like people that depend on you for like that work for you and things yep. like that you, you know you you just have to figure shit out right i mean budgets literally drop i mean everybody knows it's had nothing to do with me 80 percent. you know like 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 yeah. like what was like a i mean it's crazy we to made records think. we made records for a hundred thousand dollars oh yeah like I that was records insane. for a lot more than that yeah it's insane and Right. And, 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 and the thing from, so, so basically the, it, the, I had an, I had like a lot of experience in the construction world and I actually love that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I applied for a job as a project manager for this pretty big construction company in the area and I got the job and then I just approached it like, you know, a scrappy fucking DIY hardcore kid and, right hustled and within six months i was the coo of the company and was basically like running wow this big company <laughs> and a, a couple things came from that one um the the people that i was working with kind of sucked 
the what we were doing felt totally meaningless and right i was trying to care about it the way the only way i know how which is all in you know yeah and and um and it just there was nothing there i mean i was making more money than i ever made in my entire life at the studio i was fucking super miserable and the other thing that came of it that's was crazy is i kind of realized that I had never, ever, like, really been alone in my life. <laughs> hmm. So, like, think about it. It's like growing up in my house with my brothers and my family and touring and doing all that shit switched right into, like, producing where six, seven days a week I have these incredibly awesome people around me all the time. And all of a sudden, I'm literally in a fucking work truck going from job to job all by myself all fucking day. And... What really came, what really happened is a whole lot of like mental health stuff that I had kind of like buried. Yeah. Uh, really, I couldn't escape. And like it just built and built and built to, and I, I literally, like it's funny because you, um, one, I entirely underestimated the hole in my heart that not having music would leave. Two, yeah. I totally hadn't thought about the fact that my whole social and, universe was bands and like all of a sudden it's like i'm doing this totally other thing and i'm like not in the mix in the same way and it wasn't like i feel like dudes didn't love me or didn't care about me or didn't want to be in the mix but like i just wasn't a part of what was going on in their world so we didn't have the same reasons to be in touch you know and um the short version is that i literally kind of woke up one day and realized that like i was in the darkest place i'd ever been and and like totally kind of like doing whatever i could to like numb my head (laughs) so that i like i just couldn't process the shit that was starting to to kind of unravel um and and that led to another massively drastic decision which was my wife and i decided (laughs) to quit and like walk away from like, you know, I'm a high school dropout. Like if if you ever ever told me, you know, you're going to have this awesome paying job, like running this company and having these people work for you and like you'll have financial stability you never dreamt of. And I mean, I, it was pretty scary because it's like I kind of felt like, holy fuck, is there ever like I had more success than I ever imagined in the studio when I still felt emotionally right drained and now i have this other amazing success story (laughs) and i felt even worse and i mean it was i mean to be totally like straight like it was scary and 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 uh, and the other thing is that you know i mean you know this because when you're in the studio like you know (laughs) with a producer they they have to be like the fearless leader of the project right like they they have to be the, I don't know if you watch Friday Night Lights, but like the Coach Taylor. Right, you know? sure. And, um, <laughs> and, and I think because of that, a lot of the things that were like going on in my, like, inter- my head and my mental well-being, I think a lot of the people in my life had no fucking idea, right? Like, it, it, it just, like, so not only was I at this place where I'm like, holy fuck, is there anything I can do to get my life back in order but i also felt like 
I don't feel like I can call people and talk to them about it because I've never talked to them about it before. And yeah. now I haven't been in their life in years. And, and I just like, I just wasn't sh- fucking sure what I was going to do, but I ended up leaving. I ended up starting to do music again. And I, you know, what's actually funny is that I think about your, um, your episode with Anthony green was like a huge inspiration for me because oh, I remember, really? yeah, like Anthony, well, that was a fucking great episode, first of all. Thanks. And he's literally one of my favorite human beings in the world. Um, but it was really inspiring because like Anthony was talking about like how, like your creativity is like a muscle, right? And you have to like exercise it. And, yeah. and I kind of, and I, I kind of said to myself like, you know what? Like I've never did any of this to get like big or to get like, like I never gave a fuck about like having a triple platinum record or like right. being in some huge band. Like I just love music and I'm like a subculture guy. And like, I, I kind of like, like I love like graffiti and architecture and art and music and all that stuff. And I've like, I started, I just felt like I don't need to do this for any other reason except to like express myself. And I started writing and writing and writing. And I thought a lot about what Anthony said, which is like just doing something every day. And I basically committed to getting up every day and doing at some point doing something creative. So I started like cataloging riffs. I started writing lyrics. I started doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, and, and that, that was the beginning of what became wow. the Be Well record. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I I don't always think of this podcast as being inspirational in that way for people, you know? I mean, I guess, yeah. it, I, but I guess it can be if, if you hear, oh, this person says this or does this and that's, you know, hey, maybe I need to do that too. So that's, that's very cool. And yeah, Anthony the, is, uh, he is there incredible. Was an, there was another thing he said in that pod. I mean, <laughs> I mean. This is how much I liked that episode. I think that was like <laughs> two years ago or something. But yeah, I, he talked about like how like I think he was talking about Perry Farrell, like how other people had like embraced their ex- eccentricities, right? That like get like like paved the way for him to be able to do that. And I I thought about that all the time. Like he's a really inspiring in inspiring person, and and I um I uh, I feel lucky to know him so so anyway I, I i literally think about that all the time and i i have done that so like i started i mean like i'm trying to do like a lot of things so i'm doing some producing now yep i but i don't want to be on the hamster wheel like i don't want to yeah. be like like it's so funny because it's like i look at like someone like will yip who is a total inspiration right but i'm also like i look at everything he's doing and i just feel stressed for him (laughs) you know what i mean because (laughs) i know i know how hard that life is and especially when you're a guy like that that like cares that much you know so so it's i'm doing like i'm like I'm writing a lot. I'm writing with other people. I'm trying to do projects where I just do pre-production. I'm trying to do projects where I just do vocals. And then I have other things where I'm kind of doing it all, but I don't want to do 10 or 12 of those a year. I want to do two or three. Right. And I want to be a, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say like, that's like a way that feels like a healthy way that I can do it the way that I want to do it, where (laughs) I don't feel like, totally totally overwhelmed by it all well you know i was watching your music video and there's a 
you know, there's different signs that people are holding up with messages. And there's one where I think someone holds up a sign that says, you know, I won't make the same mistakes over and over again. Right. Or right. something along those lines. Uh, it's not that verbatim. And right. essentially, that's what you have to be careful not to do, because, you know, right. from from and I'm, I don't mean to psychoanalyze you and I'm no fucking expert, but, you know, it seems like you went headfirst into producing and did that for so long. Then you went headfirst into construction company stuff. And it's like maybe you need to have a little more balance. Right. And hopefully that's kind of where you're going, because I, I really want to hear Brian McTurnan produced records again. Uh, oh, yeah. And, I, and, and your new band is awesome. I mean, yeah. I want to talk about that in a second. But, no, I feel like well, that, that's really important. And then you talk so much about, you know, even in your songs and your music, you talk about your daughter and, you know, your the importance of your relationship with her. So all these things are, are obviously, you know, important to you and, and probably what you need, right? Well, the thing – well, so the intri- – yes. And, and, and the thing that for me is that one thing that I've had to accept about myself is – in terms of balance, it's never going to be, I'm never going to be able to balance out my intensity and my passion, right? No. You're known, so, you're known for that. I mean, you know, even so, back in the day, like hearing stories about you, you know, producing records and like, I know you're an intense dude, but well, that's why your thing, records are so, so good. Well, the thing about that is so like, I feel like I'm not... I don't even want to balance the intensity, but what I need to do is spread it out right. over different things. So that's what I love about being like, oh, I'm just going to do the pre-production on this record, right? And yeah. we're going to fucking tear the songs. That we're going to spend a couple months and get on Zoom and I'm going to come hang out. We're going to do that. And I'm just pouring my heart and soul into it. But I don't need to... I don't need to produce every record that I... like, And like, I'm great with vocals, so like... Like, I love just having someone come in and just only focusing on that. And then the right project all day, I'll be there 12 hours a day, seven days a week, thinking, living, breathing that every moment. And and so, like, doing a little bit of all of it and having my own outlet um, yeah. is, is important. And the coolest thing that has come from the whole Be Well thing, I think, is I think my biggest fear, like, it was that like my band friends and my band clients who had seen me in that kind of leadership role in the studio would hear this record that is like really revealing and really like me at my most transparent and vulnerable yes yes talking about things that like i definitely have never even talked to like my wife who i've been with since high school about you know and I really feared I wasn't worried at all that like I knew that like I've been writing songs since I was 10. I mean, like I I, I've been around incredible musicians and writers. I didn't have a fear that like it wouldn't be good in that kind of sense. Sure. Or that it would be dated because fortunately I've been around cool new shit or even even through my break. Um, But I did fear like rejection from like the people that I love and respect the most and the thing that's amazing about music in general is like the power of it to be able to give me an outlet to say things that I really had no other way to get out like not to sound cliche but literally I didn't know 
how to explain where I was to the most important people in my life except through music. Yeah, it makes total sense though. That's who yeah. you know, that's who you are. Yeah, so well, so it's cool and and the cool thing is rather than getting rejection, I've gotten so many like touching messages from people being like, dude, I like hit me up anytime like I love you. I see you like Dude, I felt that same way so many times. And so many people are like, dude, of course I fucking knew that you were struggling at times. You know what right. I mean? Like, uh, and I think that honestly, part of part of like what I think made me be able to like have such intensity for so long and really, really push on these records was was a little bit of that like mental instability and need for a need for something that felt like important. And I think that one of my abilities to be able to like connect with singers and their lyrics and their, their vulnerability in the studio was that I was experiencing a lot of the same things myself, whether I was talking about it or not. Right. Right. Well, like you said, you're really good with vocals and, you know, that's a huge strength of yours. And I, I remember a specific conversation that you had with me um, about working with Buddy from Senses Fail, who obviously a good good friend of mine, been on the show before. And just, you know, you talking about how you had to work on literally every aspect of, you know, his singing to get the right, you know, performance out of him. Right. And and like from that from that side of things, and and I I know we're still we're still I still want to talk about be well. We haven't even got there yet, but from that perspective of of a producer, you know, how is that like that challenge of working with different singers and trying to figure out what's going on in their personality in their head? Like you know, because literally day one of pre production, when you're just maybe meeting someone for the first time, you know. You know, even just the way that you talk to that person, if you make them feel comfortable, are they the kind of person that, like, is going to be texting between vocal takes and needs more, you know, m- more focus on that side of things and discipline? Like, how do you approach that, um, you know, through different different singers? I mean, I think the, the secret is that with records in general, I just believe you can't have a formula. You have to you have to look at every situation as it's as it's total own thing and buddy is like a good example of that because one buddy i love buddy and like it's so awesome like how strong his voice has gotten now but when we went to do still searching i think he was coming off of like he had a lot of like he had had like i think vocal nodes and then like had had like you know some like backlash about like the you know, performances and had like a lot going on in his head about like his voice and his vocals. But the amazing thing about Buddy is he really did have a hard time, but that fucking dude is so passionate and so intense and has so much grit that literally never once did he even like suggest giving up. You know what I mean? Like we pushed and pushed and tried and did different things and like, you know, he, he, I mean, like that when we did still searching was like, he did have a hard time, but that it, it doesn't make me like respect him less. It makes me respect him more sure, because sure. he pushed through and never gave up. And, you know, the thing is like you, you, you have a guy like Buddy and who's like, 
this incredible lyricist, great like visionary for the band, and like was at a place in his life where he really needed someone to care about each word and not give up on him because he wasn't giving up on himself. And then you'll have a situation with like Hot Water Music where it's like Chris Waller, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Like you might get like two tries out of him. Like he's like the kind of guy like you got to get that mic has to be set. The levels have to be set. The headphones have to be set cuz he's going to go in, he's going to sing it twice and then he's going to want to go and you're going to be like dude I think we could get this better. He's like, well, I already sang it twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got two to choose from. That's uh, so funny. I remember Cameron Webb telling me a story. You know, he recorded a bunch of Motorhead records uh, right. or, or Motorhead stuff, you know, before Lemmy passed. And he would he said that, you know, Lemmy would would do the the part, you know, do, do the part. Right. And it would be like, okay, like fine. And he'd be like, okay, like do it again. And Lemmy would go, all right. And he would change it. Right, and he would he would either change a word or he'd change the phrasing or he change you know like he'd give him a different look, and Cameron's like no 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 like like I just I just want it again like the same thing again, and he he, <laughs> he couldn't wrap his head around the concept of well why, I just like, did right it. I, I just did, did it, it I did way. it yeah it's like well yeah but, but you know we want to do it maybe better <laughs> like how do you say that yeah. to a legend without like being offensive I right? I, I know but but I mean again like right like that's. You have to be able to adapt and you can't have like producing a, a record for a really special band just be this assembly line where this is my system. This is what we do. Here. Right. You can't like recording Anthony Green is a real different animal than recording Buddy, you know, or recording Thomas from Strike Anywhere or recording you like every person is different. The approach is different. How people's voices behave are different. And you just you have to be flexible and you have to be nimble and be able to adjust and 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 figure out what works pretty quick because if you if you if you don't create the right environment for the singer like the rec- you're not like how many records do you love that don't have great vocals right <laughs> so right. not a lot of them so <laughs> so so it it is like really critical i mean i think Creating the right environment, having the right respect between you and the right chemistry, and like having them know that you you are not judging like whatever their process is, and you're gonna go with them, and they're not gonna give up because I, it's it's funny because I would say to singers sometimes, and they'd be frustrated with me, and I would be like, okay, you are gonna be, you might want to hate me right now. <laughs> But one day you're going to be in the studio and you're going to lay something down and the voice coming through the headphones on the other side, you're going to say, how was that? And they're going to go, I don't know. What do you think? (laughs) And you're going to go, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Because you really deserve to be able to go in, get in front of that microphone and only focus on the perform, like giving it your all, like you really need someone on the other side of the glass or sitting next to you in in the bedroom or whatever yep. it is who goes, dude, you got it. And you don't need to even guess. You don't need to even question it. Like, or dude, I, I that was good, but but it, I still think it could be better. Like, that's like, it's so critical to be able to trust someone with that. And if somebody doesn't care and somebody's like checking their Facebook while you're right. singing, and then and they're not paying attention like 
you'll never know if the record was as good as it could have been. Man, so so true. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's a it's a. I mean, it's it's a. The thing that comes along with some of it too is like the folklore, right? Like I'll I'll t- I'm not going to say what band it was, but like I, I there's like all. I went backstage at a show to just say hi to someone and a dude in a band and this, <laughs> it was at a hot water music show and it was with the opening band and um, the band was like, Oh dude, we always wanted to record with you. But then we heard that you made Chuck Reagan take singing lessons. And like, we were like, fuck that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm like, Okay, well, one that did happen, but <laughs> but not for the reasons you think it happened. And the funny thing is, I pulled Chuck in the room. I'm like, "Hey, Chuck, how do you feel about like when you went to take those singing lessons when we were doing Flight in a Crash?" He's like, "Best fucking thing that ever happened to me." Right. And basically, it had nothing to do with pitch. It had to do with the dude is a fucking emotional titan and when he sings he pushes so hard that like he couldn't get through like a verse of a song right and then it's like fuck man i don't want less emotion but we can't like get a record done when you can't sing more than a verse and we made a collective decision that like let's go send chuck to someone who can teach him how to warm up teach him how to like exercise you know strengthen his voice and coach him up on like what he can and can't eat you know like drink and and do things like that and it it's so funny how so, like for the band it was a, a huge and it was great that someone was willing to say hey let's hit the pause button and make a tough decision here right right, right. and clearly they went on to make three or four more records <laughs> to three more records with me I, obviously it wasn't like <laughs> no. No, I mean, hey, you know, there's not but a lot it of turned, one and dones with you. I mean, most of the bands that you recorded came back to you, and that's always a sign that, you know, even if it's tough at the time, you know, like there there might be a singer that's singing that's like fucking hates you in that moment because you made him sing this take 30 times, you know, until right. it was right. Um, and, and he might hate you every fiber of, of your being in that moment until... The record's done and it sounds great. And he hears that that line. And he remembers the struggle and goes, "You know what? It's perfect." And right. like, yeah. then they then next in two years, once the once the you know uh, the pain is faded away, uh, they they give you a call, you know, to to yeah. do to do the next LP. Well, what's interesting is that as I I I realized a couple of things. Like when I was younger, I mean, you have to keep in mind that like. Some of these records I was producing, I was a lot younger than the bands because I was so young. And then, and that dynamic is hard. And I think that early on, some of my like arrangement suggestions or lyric suggestions or whatever, because I wasn't confident enough, I I I would sometimes come across much sharper than I would now because now I I'm like able to like c- communicate those things without like an edge of insecurity at all. Um, and um. But I just think it's funny how like some of these stories live on. Like I'm sure your friends like like so a perfect example I is a uh, Monine right? Yeah. You're, is uh, and I joke. I just saw Kenny um, a little while ago, and I was joking with him that he ruined my career. But <laughs> when we went to do the Red Tree, 
like two days before they came into the studio, Vagrant called and said, hadn't listened to the demos and called and was like, we don't like the demos. We're pulling the plug on the record. Whoa. And so I was like, I was like, you know what? You guys should just come down anyway. Like, I have the time. We'll work on the songs. We'll send them new demos. And then, like, hopefully they dig it and you can come back at some point. So, you know, the the, the band came the band came down and this is what's funny about it. Their friend came to like videotape the whole thing. <laughs> and understandably so, the band came in and instead of it being this like creative whatever, they I think their initial feeling was that all the changes that I wanted to make were be, to make the label happy, which wasn't the case at all. And um so we had like this really tough two weeks that was like emotional and like, you know, relationship building and, and hard and their friend documented the whole thing. Well, they left. We sent the demos to Vagrant and Vagrant fucking loved them and approved for them to come back and do the record. Well, they came back and we literally had the most fun making the red tree i think i've ever had i don't think i've ever laughed as much as i laughed making that record i don't well, know Kenny's that any one of the funniest people of all time i mean and yeah and they were hilarious and the songs were good and they had new songs that were fucking good and it was just magical well the funny thing is their friend that was videotaping he didn't come to that. <laughs> he only came to that first two week stress <laughs> session and he made a documentary about just those two weeks. <laughs> so like it, I've never watched it, but I can't tell you how many bands were like, oh, we don't want to record a McTurnan. Like, we, have you seen that Mameen documentary? Wow. <laughs> But wow. it's, it's all... a great record. Red Tree's a great record. It's probably it my is. favorite Bonin record. I, I mean that that was a very that was a very special like I loved the guys. I loved I they were so fun. The songs were so good. The lyrics are so smart. I mean everything about it was special. So Yeah, man. Well, let's talk about Be Well. Um Sure. Finally, after 47 minutes of talking, uh, <laughs> you, you know, this project, it came a little bit out of nowhere. But what, you know, I was expecting, I think, knowing, you know, Battery and this, you know, DC hardcore, um, you know, punk punk rock band. I, I never heard you sing like this. And there are there right. are like some parts of this record. I, I forget the track, the track uh, titles, but like the second last track, there is like this part where you just... You know, you're just singing clean and you just sound like you've been, I mean, I know you've been doing it for a long time, but not that style of music. Like it feels, I feel like this band really brought a lot of, a lot of things out of you vocally that I don't know if you even knew were there. Um, Because I I mean, I've never heard you sing like that. One, yeah. Well, one of the things was, was that in Battery, I never wrote the music. You know what I mean? So I would get whatever they gave me. And I would try and configure its vocals over it. Well, now I've been writing music for 20 years. So like, I know, like, I know really well, like what keys my voice breaks in a cool way right, and like right. what, what my registers are. I like, you know, I kind of write more almost like a singer songwriter with the chordal movement, which is how I always 
like when bands would be in the studio, like it would drive them crazy. But I always want to break the song down in the control room to just a guitar and a vocal or a bass bass notes in the vocal. Like yeah. the chordal movement bass of the song is so critical. And then you can build a, the so much around that when you get that right. So it was really cool to be able to do cool things with the chord progressions and the arrangements that would give me more opportunities to like use my voice with in different ways. Um, and uh, interestingly, I mean, I think that when I started writing some of this, because battery at the time was, we had gone to Europe um, to do, we had, we were going to go to Europe to do like a big festival and some headlining dates for the first time in like 20 years. And, right. and like batteries successful over like already had following and booking agents and all that. So, I mean, it would have like the initial thought was, well, maybe this could just be a new battery record. Um, and, um, kind of what, what came of it is it never really felt like that to me. And the battery also had, um, the primary songwriter in battery, this guy, Ken Olden, who was like, kind of really shaped me as a musician early on. Yeah. Um, he did not get the way I w- wanted the chords to move in the songs. Like that, like all of the battery songs are like a box. You know what I mean? There is a definitely like a, you know, a kind of a, a little bit of a mold of how that goes. And I think that when you're like a guitar riffer guy, if you heard where these songs start, you just wouldn't be like, oh, I love that riff. Right. Because it's written around what I want to do vocally and then built out from there. Like kind of like building a house is like the foundation. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not going to send you some riff that you're like, holy fucking, you know, shredding cool riff. So what came of it was, Ken didn't really understand what I was going for creatively. We had like what turned into like a really good um, conversation where he basically said, Hey, you sent me 20 ideas and I don't get any of it. And then I had to say to myself, okay, fuck this guy that I kind of like idolized as a kid thinks all the shit I wrote isn't good. You know what I mean? Which, (laughs) you know, as an artist, no one's heard it. So it's like trusting yourself is hard. Right. And, um, two, uh, it would be so much easier to like, if what I really want is just an outlet to be able to perform, um, then battery is a much easier vehicle for that. Cause we already draw kids and we already can, you know, right. And then I had to just say to myself, like, do I love this? What is the reason that I want to do this? And am I willing to risk this other part of being in a band that I love so much and is so easy with battery in order to like be able to express what I have inside of me that I really do need to express. And ultimately that was the decision that I made and I'm, it's been amazing. I mean, them. Have you, has Ken heard the record like now that it's actually completed <laughs> or anything? Is he, has he changed his tune a little bit? we've never talked about it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised so. though, because like now that it's all done and everything and it does, I mean, there's definitely, you can tell there's some battery influence there. You know what I mean? Well, like I, fast I mean, drums I, and there's, you know, I love you hardcore can take the kid out so, of DC, but you can't take DC right. out of the kid, you know? 
there is nothing I love more than like a fucking raging fast. Like there, <laughs> every song I ever write is either going to have like a fucking killer mosh in it, a killer breakdown or a killer middle eight. Like those are the things that I like love. And then I just love fast music. I just fucking love nothing in the world gets my heart beating right. like that. That beat, I know, you know, dude. like I, I know, I man. just get, I just get amped. I feel like I'm 10 years old again, you know, at I my know. first show. I know. And I, so I remember he seeing the video for no effects sticking to my eye. On, I actually oh, saw it on Much song, Music, yeah. and you know, like getting that record and just hearing those fast drums, and then Punk and Drublet came out, and it was even faster. And I was like, yeah. "This is all I want to hear is double time fast punk rock." And then, of course, you know, I found out about all the other, you know, bands that played fast, and I, that's all I listened to for like ten years. Like, I if it had any slow songs, I didn't want to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, the, the the funny thing about the Be Well stuff is actually, if you kind of strip it back. Almost all those songs are also like pretty cool as like mellow acoustic songs right. because they're kind of written the way that the chords move is more like, uh, you know, like an Elliott Smith song in some ways than it is like a Gorilla Biscuit song. Um, <laughs> sure. But then I love applying that feel of a like a raging fast hardcore song at, with all the leads and all this just shit that I've always loved. So the cool thing about the Be Well record for me is. It was a lot of closed doors over and over early on. And um, I don't know if you know Mike Schleibaum from Dark Star. Yeah, Sour. of course, of course. Um, well, he he, in, he he was like, I, I had like, he was at the meeting with me and Ken when we talked about like, should this be battery? Do any of these make sense? And he was the one that was just like, dude, this shit is good, man. And like, you need to do this. And like, it, you know, we need to find people to play with. And he literally never get like for like weeks every day, he'd send me a text, send me a new song, <laughs> like right. send me a new idea, send me, like, and really just push me and push me. And at that time I was actually still, um, I was still working that job that was making me so miserable. And like, hmm. anyway, I, it all, what, so the crazy thing was we couldn't find band members. So at first we decided we were just going to make the record and then find people. So we initially hired the drummer of Darkest Hour, who's like a studio drummer, yep. to, to play on it. And we recorded the whole record. And I fucking hated the record. And I was like, this doesn't feel like a hardcore record to me. Like this feels too pro he played awesome i mean it's literally perfect but it doesn't have it didn't have the swing and the the like life that i felt like it needed for the songs to really come across and we scrapped the whole fucking record and then like three days before we went on last summer battery did a tour in europe with h2o the drummer from the explosion, Andrew Black, who was going to play on the drum battery record while he was in town rehearsing for battery. We re-recorded like seven of the tracks. And I was like, yes, there you go. This is, this is what, and then we went on the tour. We came back and we came back to a message from Shane Johnson. Who's our drummer now, who has got the demos, 
loved it and wanted to jam. So yeah, got back from the battery tour a couple of days later. We all finally got together in the room for the first time, and Shane was like perfect, and all the dudes were perfect, and just ever since then it's been going really well. There you go. You always trust a Shane. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. No. No. The, the be well. The be well record is out on August twenty first, which will be it'll be out now when when this comes uh, comes out. The weight right. and the cost on Equal Vision Records. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, and, you know and Dan and Dan over there very well. And uh, yeah, know, in Europe it's on. En- it's on in Europe. It's on end hits. Oh, end hits. Yes. Yeah, and that's I, been awesome. It's so cool. The coolest thing about all of it is like the whole Be Well team are like the best dudes ever. So like you Dan Sanshaw, like lifelong friend. The other thing that's rad is um I don't know if you know Matthew Gordner who was at Rise. I do. I know him very well. So he's I used like to, you used to record his old band, right? Yeah. Roses we are we red. were and that's a throwback. Well we were we became really close and have like stayed in touch over the years and he's at EVR now. Right, exactly. So it's so fucking cool to have like two of my favorite like label people both involved yes. with Be Well and then And Oise. <laughs> and and then Oise who and somehow shout out to Oise, one of my favorite people of all time. Yeah. So somehow I've never met Oise. So everybody else in the band like Aaron Dahlbeck, he put out the Bane record, and then Schleibaum knows him from Parkway Drive. And like, yeah, I have actually never met Oisey in person. Like, we had never <laughs> met before this. And I fucking love that guy. Oh, and the cool is such a trip. The coolest thing about it is that, like, it isn't like just this straight, like, license. Like, EVR and End Hits are so, like, respectful of one another and, like, coordinating everything and, like, just, like, Oasis has such good ideas like like some stuff that I kind of was like I don't know like he wanted a separate cover for the European like he wanted his own shit and like I was kind of like do you think that's necessary and then it's been like super rad and like just like our friends made the videos my wife took all the photos on the record um so the one thing that EVR pulled off so I don't know if you um like I kind of envisioned this Be Well record feeling like it could come out now or it could have come out in like 2000 on Jade Tree. <laughs> like that's, I know, I know. That's well, like oh, there are definitely some some strike anywhere moments, like for sure. Oh, my like, well, they're like my you're channeling Thomas like big I mean, time. I, I, oh yeah, I mean he's he is like one of my favorite humans and an absolute in- inspiration in my life. Like. Yep. Like the I I literally love him so deeply it would be hard to explain and they're like one of my favorite bands of all time so I'll take that all day <laughs> yeah, no. and I have no shame in ripping them off <laughs> because they're well, like you know they're I do, they're just I do and and Tom I mean Thomas like when we went on tour they took us on tour in two thousand four and it was right. kind of crazy that they took us on tour because you know Silverstein and we, we at that time like you know people talked a lot of shit on the the screamo genre and you know victory records and stuff so if they brought us out on tour they were so sweet to us especially thomas thomas you know i was ve- a vegetarian at the time and thomas started um sharing his vegan meal meals with me uh right. every day and then i went vegan because of him you know and we just have these like I amazing conversations every day just about you know 
just just such forward thinking stuff, you know, and he really yeah. opened my eyes, especially at that time. Like I was, you know, I was 23 and I was just starting to tour. And, you know, I think he really was important, you know, a figure yeah. in my life to kind of, you know, put push me in the right direction, you know. And yeah, I'll tell you a really great Thomas story <laughs> is uh, when we were making Exit English, Thomas didn't have all his lyrics done. And <laughs> so Oh, I tried everything I could to get him to like get his shit together. And finally, I, I told him, every day we come into the studio and you don't have the song ready to sing, you have to paint a room in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas is up there painting bedrooms and coming up with lyrical <laughs> ideas while I, I punish him. But again, That's the that, sounds like a, that sounds like a crazy story, but he's, we're still friends. Um, actually, the funny thing with Thomas is, Ashes. So before Battery, I was in a band called Ashes. And when I was like 15, we got asked to play with Inquisition in Richmond. And I didn't know anything about Inquisition. And I like we were so young that like a friend of ours drove one car and then Elena, our singer's dad, drove the other car. And (laughs) we went down there and I just I didn't know anything about Inquisition. And I remember like I'm we loaded our gear in and then I'm about to walk out of the club and they start sound checking and he starts singing and I literally turned around and was like oh my god that voice is like everything I've ever wanted out of a punk rock voice you know then the other cool thing about him that I love the most not to get is that especially in a moment like now with the protests and Black Lives Matter and all that is first of all the guy has been literally singing about this stuff before I even had any idea like yeah that it was a thing like I thought oh these are cool lyrics <laughs> you know like I didn't process that he literally was being incredibly specific like he he wasn't like taking liberties i mean he was calling it out exactly how it was and two his approach isn't just pure outrage it's all based in something like moving towards change and something positive like he's not just pure anger and i think it's like so important for this community to have someone like that yeah i and that can also and also is like has the credibility to speak on issues like that and have people like understand that the dude's been fucking talking about it since i've the day i met him so yeah wow dude man uh so well, dude, thanks for thanks for talking to me and and taking all this time um, out of your I, I assume still very busy life. Are you? Yes. You have a studio again. You're recording bands. Like what? What's um? So what's the latest? so no. So, is back? so well, so I did take a big, huge space over for a period of time and was making records there. Um, but thankfully, it broke my heart to do it. But in December, I decided to give that space up and move my setup home Mm -hmm. um, because I just felt like if I don't want to be making record after record after record, it doesn't make sense for me to have this 4,000 square foot space and like paying for it when I'm not using it. And thankfully that happened because this fucking COVID shit, like I I know. You know, I'm just not comfortable like being in I'm doing a lot of like vocal tracking with people where they come to my house or like 
I have some projects where I'm going and working in other places, but I don't want to be in, um, I don't, I don't feel comfortable being in like a small control room with like six other dudes that are all going home to different places every night. Mm, Yeah, I know. And, um, so I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of like writing with people over zoom. I have a bunch of projects where like people are coming here and we're just working on the vocals. Um, I'm doing a lot of mixing for people. And then I have a a handful of records that I'm actually like producing, producing. Like I did the new Strike Anywhere. Um, I did the Sharp Tooth, which you had a great, great episode with. Yeah, I love Lauren. Um, Awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. I love her. She's so awesome. So, yeah, that was a very cool one because. She's so sparky. Like I think all the time, God, I wish I had a little bit of that. Like right. if I had, you know what I mean? She's such a badass. It's like really, I sent her a text and said, I'm t- trying to embrace a little bit of my inner Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> did you, so did, did you uh, hang on to a bunch of your gear that you had from? Oh yeah. Yeah. You started? yeah. I have, okay. So I, you knew, I have, so you knew you were coming back at some point. You, <laughs> I mean, I thought, I thought I might come back and, 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 um, I have a I have a really fantastic I already had a mixer room at home because the thing is as you know in this new millennium of mix revisions taking weeks like it was easier for me to have like a tracking setup at the studio and like a mixing setup at home so um yeah. so I I I have literally everything you would ever need to like make a whole record here if I needed to. Um, the interesting thing is the bands like love coming here because I have like three great dogs and a <laughs> cool yard and I live in a good neighbor- neighborhood. And actually when we did the new strike anywhere, Thomas came and stayed with me when we we're going to do the vocals and we were about to head to the studio to do it. And he was like, where are you tracking your vocals? And I was like, Oh, I just do them here. And he was like, let's do that. <laughs> so even when I had the studio, like we still opted to do the vocals here. And it's a nice, it's fun because like you can take a break and go play with the dogs or, you know, just, you're not like when I was going down, driving down to the warehouse and like you felt more pressure, like to get something done. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it it depends on the person, right? Some singers, they need to be, you know, they need to go, you know, kind of get in that, that, mindset like i have to leave my place to do this because this is the thing i'm doing and other people they don't they don't they do better with less pressure so yeah everyone's different and it's like nice like you know it's like like people can just pop by and and i loved like i love these like quick little fun like angel dust just came and they did these awesome new tracks with rob schnapp for producing and um brendan and pat just came over here to do the vocal harmonies like so just getting to like hang with these awesome dudes, not have the stress of being like the producer of it all sure, and sure. just getting to do fun harmonies and weird overlays and then not being responsible beyond that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fun to mix that, that kind of yeah, stuff. And so, yeah. So yep. the other thing is Baltimore has a lot of cool studios. So there's like, there are places that I can go make records and like, like, like I have some Mexican bands that I've gone to Mexico to do records with. And and in March, I'm going to Paris to do a record with a really cool band there. So the nice thing is like, I can travel and do shit. And, um, the, one of the things that I didn't anticipate be well doing is that, I mean, literally so many people are hitting me up now. I think people are like, wait, Brian McTurnan, like, 
I hadn't thought about that name in six years. Like straight up, I know. Oh, oh, sh- oh, shit. Yep. You know. So, I think it's cool, and I think that um, I mean, music is just it's magical, man, and it's fucking, it's amazing. Like to be talking to you and having like you remember our conversation from 2006 and like yeah absolutely i remember that always everybody was always like oh the bass player from silverstein loves bane <laughs> or hot water music hot water music yeah hot he, water music had, it was hot water he had music like right. every hot water music record pressed ever including records they only made one of and he right had, right he that's had what, that's what it was. It, yep. was it was hot water music and buddy yep. was the one that loved bane but like you just realize i mean i have an appreciation now with kind of like being able to look back at my life and realize like you know especially now where i'm actually probably in the best like mental health space that i've ever been um how fucking amazing it's been to be to be able to do this and to like to have these relationships with like all of these wonderful people that we're talking about and to have been able like I think all the time like how many people to get to do something with their life that no one can ever take away and that is the fucking thing that comes from doing what we do you know I mean you get to do something that people will care about forever and like that's one thing that I always try that I always had a harder time with younger bands instilling in them which is like look man don't call it in like these lyrics aren't good enough. And like 25 years from now, if you like, I just went and did a battery tour, a 25 year anniversary of a record I made in high school. Like it isn't just about getting some new single out and getting more followers and getting some tour. Like you like music is like the, in a lot of ways, like the cultural overtone of <laughs> our lives. And like Man, so right. to be able to get, to be able to get to do this is important and you have to take it seriously. And if you are doing this and you're not giving it everything you have, get out of the way and let somebody else who cares more do it. I it's mean, that's so true, man. You're right. Just with the way that music is, I don't want to say it's disposable now, but it fe- it certainly feels like that. You know, like someone puts out a record. Well, first of all, you pay 10 bucks and you get everything that comes out, for, you know, on your right. phone. So there's a lot, a lot of, the, the specialness of real, of a new release is lost. But then also, it seems like after a month, you know, everyone's on to the next thing, you know? Right. But I but I know right. that in, in our genre and, you know, and in hardcore punk rock, it, is, it doesn't work like that, you know? Right. Like... Well, that's, a, that's the so, amazing so thing about... So it is uh, important to instill that, I think, in young bands, and I, it's great I, that you try. I, I always thought it, like, uh, like, you look at a band like Strike Anywhere that, like, every club they play right and they might not sell or stream like some of these other bands some of these bands you could sell 500,000 copies and come back two years later and can't even get 100 kids like yeah look at this is a like loyal like like vibrant community that we're a part of and like I definitely like taking some time away from it really has like it's only reinforced why I loved it in the first place well Brian, it's good to have you back. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you uh, so much. Yeah. And I, yeah, I look forward to uh, everything happening. I, hopefully, I can see Be Well live when that's a thing again. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, just hope to run into you and have a chat and hang out again real soon, man. It's been too long. Yeah, it's been great. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. I'm going to play track one on the Be Well record The Weight and the Cost. 
Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. There is new music from Be Well. I Don't let this record slip away from you, okay? Go check it out. 
It's one of the best records of the year. I love the passion. I love how important this album is. It, it really, really is. So yes, go over to Equal Vision, pick it up, pick up the vinyl, or just stream it. Listen to it however you can. And I want to thank Brian so much for taking the time. And just what a guy. Like, whether you're a musician or not, there's so much to take away from Brian's story. And Brian, it's good to have you back, man. I'm going to leave you with another tune. Because why not? Right? From Brian's old band, Battery. Here is a classic. Say it on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. Subscribe. We'll see you 